Welcome to this special midweek edition of the Southcrest Live podcast featuring the teaching of Dr. David Wilson. If this is your first time to listen, be sure to connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. And thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this message from our Wednesday night series. Who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Do you know who you are? You ever had anybody say, who do you think you are? Well, I want to ask you that. Who do you think you are? Because when you realize who you are in Jesus, it makes all the difference in the world. You are greatly blessed. People today are greatly concerned about their identity, their life's purpose, their self-worth, their self-acceptance. The problem is there are a lot of books and seminars and articles and schemes that attempt to fulfill those longings, but they leave out God's Word. And when you leave out God's Word, you miss it entirely. If you don't have a biblical worldview, you miss it entirely because you leave out the source of truth. And the end result is we begin to tell each other, well, we're okay after all. <laughs> That's not going on today, is it? Oh, well, you know what? You're just born different than me. You're, you're okay after all. I mean, we're all different. We're all okay. Well, no, we're not. We're not all, we're not all okay. We're all lost, separated from God until you find Jesus we're told to think of ourselves first. We're shown how to get on top. Let's, let's just climb the top. Even though I manipulate anybody else, I'm going to be number one. We're counseled to find meaning about our lives. So we're digging up our past. What about my family? Who, what, why am I the way I am? I, I, we think, well, if I go look up all my family heritage, maybe I'll figure out why I'm as weird as I am. That's, that's a little overly sta overstated, but, but, you know, that's just a psychological gloss that helps cover up and remove the real problem and meaning of life, which is that we're separated from God, we're made in His image, and the only hope we have of self-worth and meaning and significance is to have a right relationship with the Creator. We were made in his image. And when we have a relationship with him, then the rest of life is going to make sense. But if you take God out of the equation, you take the truth out of the equation, nothing else makes any sense. You just wander around. You, you stumble around. You, people try to hide their feelings by all kinds of superficial things, but really uh, when you don't have any meaning in life, it's because you don't know Jesus. You see, a person without Christ has no spiritual value. Psalm 1, 4 says they're like the chaff which the wind drives away. But when you follow Jesus, you, you turn from your sin, you realize you're nothing without him you got to realize you're lost before you can be saved. You know that. 
If you, don't know, if you don't realize you're separated from God, you have no hope of being saved because you don't think you need anything. But when you realize you don't have anything, then you come to Christ. And when you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ, if you don't have any comprehension of the blessings that he's given you and the position that you have in him, then you're not going to be able to live the kind of life that he wants you to live. And that's what Ephesians is all about. Ephesians helps Christians have the right understanding of their position and their possessions through him. So some of you don't think you're very blessed. You probably came here tonight and said, I'm far from blessed. I've got news for you. You're blessed more than you realize. And I hope you begin to realize it. Now, I want to tell you, when you look at verse 3 all the way down to verse 14, it's the longest sentence in the New Testament. 202 words. That's a long sentence. Now, we're not going to cover all that tonight. We're, we're going to break this sentence down. What's interesting, though, is it encompasses the past, the present, and the future of God's purpose for us. That one sentence. It's 202 words long, but in, the, in verses 3 through 6, for example, it talks about the past, election. And we're going to deal with that next Wednesday night. In verses 6 through 11, we're shown the present aspect of redemption. And then in verses 12 through 14, we're shown the future aspect, our inheritance. You can divide it up into three sections. Each of them focuses on a different person of the Trinity. For example, verses 3 through 6 focus on God the Father. And then verses 6, the second part of verse 6 through verse 12 deals with God the Son, and then 13 and 14, the Holy Spirit. And so God, so Paul takes us right into the very throne room of God, and he shows us the greatness and the vastness and the blessings and the treasures that we have in God. Y'all remember Yakov Smirnov? Many years ago when he first came to America from Russia, he wrote a book a long time ago called Six Rubles a Day. He said, coming from the Soviet Union, I was not prepared for the incredible variety of products available in American grocery stores. While on my first shopping trip, I saw powdered milk. You just add water and you get milk. I saw powdered eggs. You just add water and you get eggs. Then I saw baby powder. I thought to myself, what a country. <laughs> when you look at this passage, you're going to say, what a God we have. Now, let's talk about being blessed. First of all, let's look at God's blessings from Believers. Now, how do you bless God? In verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul begins to bless God. The word blessed is the, is the Greek word eulageo, eulogy. Eulageo, a eulogy. I've told you before, it's a message of commendation. It's usually done at a funeral when you speak the good things. If you ask somebody, would you give the eulogy, you're saying, would you come up and say nice things about whoever's funeral you're doing? 
Sometimes that's more difficult than others. And I told you not too long ago about two brothers who were known as the terrors of the town for decades, and they were unfaithful to their wives, they were abusive to their children, they were dishonest in business. The younger brother died unexpectedly. And the older brother went to the pastor of the local church and said, I'd like for you to conduct my brother's funeral. And it's important to me that during the service you tell everyone my brother was a saint. And the pastor said, your brother was far from it. And the other, then the, the surviving brother pulled out his checkbook and he said, Reverend, I'm prepared to give $100,000 to your church. All I ask is that you publicly state that my brother was a saint. On the day of the funeral, the pastor began his eulogy. Everyone knows that the deceased here was a wicked man, a womanizer, a drunk. He terrorized his employees. He cheated on his taxes. And then he paused. But as evil and sinful as this man was, compared to his older brother, <laughs> he was a saint. <laughs> Eulogize God. You know, no one is truly good except God. Matthew 19, 17 states that no one is good but one. That is God. And so our supreme eulogy, our supreme praise is for God alone. Goodness is God's nature. God the Father not only does good things, he is good in a way that none of us have ever been. The only one that's been as good as him is Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh. And so nothing is more appropriate for God's people than to bless how good he is. God is good, isn't he? We learn that as preschoolers. God is good because he is good. And that's what Paul is saying. Blessed be. Good is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So the blessings that we give to God are the praise and the wonderful things that we say about him. He deserves it. Now, let's look at God's blessings to believers. Verse 3 says, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Who are the us? <laughs> That's not good grammar. The saints, believers, Christians, born again. Galatians 3.9 states, those who are of the faith are blessed. When we bless God, we speak good of him. But when God blesses us, he communicates and gives good to us. We bless him with words. He blesses us with deeds. All we can do is speak well of him because that's all we have to offer. What can you do for God to make him any more good than he is? You, you and I can't do anything, but we can praise him. So when God blesses us, he blesses us out of his goodness with every good gift. James says every good gift comes from the Father above. All the good that's in the world, our Heavenly Father has given us. We have a good God who blesses us. That's his nature. 
And we need that goodness. I've broken this down a little further. Let's talk about the acknowledgement of spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing. What are the blessings? He has given us every spiritual blessing. Now, the word for spiritual here really speaks of the origin, the divine origin. It comes from God. Whether it helps our spirits, our minds, our bodies, our daily living, spiritual refers to the source. The blessings come from God. It's not that God's going to give it to us. It says he's already given it to us. You have already been given every spiritual blessing. You're going, really? First Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter 1, 3 states, God's divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Let me say that again. God's divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. God cannot give us any more than he's already given us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to get there. There's nothing left to do spiritually for us. It's all been done. Y'all still haven't got it, have you? There's nothing more to receive. You don't need any more of God. It's blessing. You don't need any more of God's spiritual blessing through Jesus Christ. He's given you all of it. All that you need spiritually. Now that's important. Because there's some people who say, well, you didn't quite get all of it. Now, some years ago, there was a British mathematician. Why he did this, I don't know. But he set out to determine how many grains of sand are on this planet thinking, you know, there's just some people don't have enough to do. <laughs> and I don't know how he did it, but he came up with a number. 10 to the 28th power, which is 10, the number 10 with 28 zeros behind it. It's such a large number, we don't even have a name for it. Why am I telling you this? Because Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18 says, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. You see, the Bible says God loves you so much, his thoughts for you every day are more in number than 10 to the 28th power. Now, that's a spiritual blessing. You can't put a price tag on that. And the greatest needs that you and I possess are spiritual needs. You may have some physical needs. You may have some financial needs. But I want to tell you, the greatest need you have because you are created for eternity is spiritual in nature. Because your life on this earth compared to eternity is just so, so minuscule. Your greatest need is spiritual blessings. I'm going to bless you with every spiritual blessing. 
We're the saints. God is our source. There are spiritual blessings. And I don't believe a lot of people understand or grasp it. Because some of you are trying to make God love you more. Some, some are trying to make God accept you more, trying to be worthy for his acceptance and his love, trying to make God get extra, make, make him get extra credit with him. Now, I know that he saves us to do good works. But when you understand what you have, it sort of reminds me of a story of a Welsh woman who lived in a remote valley in Wales, and she went to a great deal of trouble to have electrical power installed in her home many years ago when it first came out. And they noticed that she didn't use very much electricity down at the power plant. In fact, her usage was minuscule. So they thought there was something wrong. They sent a meter reader out to the check on the matter. A man came to the door and said, ma'am, we've looked at the amount. Don't you use electricity? And she said, oh, yeah. We turn it on every night to see how to light our lamps, and then we turn it off. <laughs> a lot of Christians that, that don't realize what they have and who they are in Christ Jesus. Some of you are going, I, I still think you're... Uh, I still don't get it. Well, let's look at the adequacy of the spiritual blessings. It says God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He didn't say, I'm going to bless you with every spiritual. He said, I already have. I've already given it to you. He's talking about something that's already happened to you in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Now, when you look at the fact that it's in the past tense, and you look at the fact that it's every spiritual blessing, that's how adequate it is. God doesn't have to give you any more. I remember being told or being asked, have you received the second blessing? I said, yeah, and the third and the fourth and the fifth. I've received them all. You see, God doesn't give you one as a down payment, and then as you mature as a believer, he gives you another one. He, he's given it all to you. Everything that salvation has to offer, he's given it to you. Now, that's freeing, isn't it? I mean, you think about it. Some of you came on Wednesday night thinking it's going to give you extra credit. Man, I go on Wednesday night. God's definitely going to give me blessing. <laughs> Years ago, a man saved his money and sold all his possessions to buy a passage on a steamship from Europe to the United States. He spent all his money on the ticket, didn't have any money for food. So for the entire voyage, which took a while, he walked around with a bit of bread and cheese that he had brought with him, but the bread became moldy and the cheese grew old and he became very hungry. And about a day before they were to dock in New York City, he finally went up to a ship's steward and he said, please, I just have to have something to eat. I'm about to starve to death. The steward said, let me see your ticket. And the man showed him his ticket. And the steward said, listen, friend, this ticket entitled you to every meal that was served on this ship as it crossed over here. The man just didn't know it. 
And there are a lot of people who have repented of their sin, placed their faith in Jesus Christ, and do not realize all that God has given them. Forgiveness, salvation, security. And when God gave you salvation, you were born again. He said, here, here's every spiritual blessing that you will ever need for eternity. It doesn't come in sections. Let me give you an example. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God is saying, I have already given you the most precious possession I have. I've given you my son, Jesus Christ. And because I've given you the most precious possession I have, anything after that is a small matter. I've given you all spiritual blessing. Some of you are thinking, you mean God has forgiven me for eternity? Yes, he has. He has. Now, 1 John 1, 9 reminds us that as we're on our journey, not to be saved, but because we're saved, we still sin. We ask God to cleanse us from that, but not for eternity. I don't have to be saved every time I sin. I'm married to Laura. Anytime that I make a mistake in the, way, in the marriage, I don't have to go get married again. I just tell her I'm sorry, and she forgives me. I'm the one that's usually apologizing to. Warren Wiersbe tells the story of how William Randolph Hearst, he read about an extremely valuable piece of art, and he decided, I've got to have that piece of art. So he instructed his agent to scour the galleries of the world. He said, find this masterpiece. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to buy it. After many months of looking for this piece of art, the agent came back and reported, Mr. Hurst, you already own this. It's in one of your warehouses and been there for three years. We already have it. It's tragic that many believers become so entangled in a quest for something more in the Christian life. They talk about getting more of Jesus Christ, more of the Holy Spirit, more power, more blessings, a, a higher life, a deeper life, as if the resources of God are divinely doled out a little at a time or they're like a pharmaceutical prescription. We, we just can take only so much at a time. But listen, today many Christians spend time looking for blessings that are already theirs. They pray for God's light. He's already given us light through his word. There's so much in here that we already know, and they need to follow the light they've already given. They pray for strength, and even though the word of God tells them they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. They pray for more love, although Paul says God's own love is already poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5. They pray for more grace. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Lord says grace. God's already given grace sufficient for you. Who do you think you are? They pray for more peace. Although the Lord has said in Philippians 4, 7, his own peace surpasses all comprehension. 
Now, if we're praying those prayers, seeking grace to appropriate what's already been given to us, Lord, help me appropriate more of this in my life. But you don't have to ask for more. You have been given his spirit. You have all the Holy Spirit in you you need. You just got to appropriate more of your life to him. But you don't need to pray for more of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, y'all giving me that nervous look. The, <laughs> like, really? Let's talk about the area of spiritual blessings. Now, this is going to get deep. It says, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The heavenlies. The word encompasses the entire supernatural realm. And his complete domain, the full extent, Christians, we live on two levels. We're on this earth, but where's our citizenship? In the heavenlies. We are supernatural. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We've been saved. We've been given life. We're supernatural. And it'd be nice if when we got saved, God would beam us up to the heavenlies but he doesn't do that. But when you know, when you travel to another country, you're a citizen of the United States, even though you're in another country. Well, we're on the earth, but we're not of it. And the key to living as a heavenly citizen is walking by the Spirit in faith. Paul even said, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight. The things that are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. I know some of you are still not convinced. If I'm blessed, I don't seem to be enjoying it. Where can I go find these blessings? He's not talking about heaven. You're already blessed before you get to heaven. Ephesians 2, 6 says, in fact, Paul uses this phrase three times in the heavenlies. Let me share with them. Ephesians 2, 6, which we'll get down there later. It says that, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's not something that's going to happen. It's already happened. It's past tense. Right now, you're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. The other time Paul uses the phrase is in Ephesians 6.12 when he talks about spiritual war. He said, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against wickedness in the heavenly places. That's the third time he uses now. Where, where, is the, where are the heavenly places? Some people think, well, that means it's heaven when you die. But listen, when, when you die, the truth is you're not going to have any needs there. Now, this is going to seem far-fetched to you, but there's a spiritual realm around us that we can't see. That's where the demons are. Sometimes the angels are there. You can't see them. The heavenly realm. You can't always see them with your physical eye, but it's there. And you say, well, I don't know that I believe that. Well, let me use another illustration. Right now, can you see these three ex-old quarterbacks talking about a football game and who's going to win it this weekend? You can't see that? Well, how about over here? 
Here's Andy Griffith and Barney and Mayberry. You can't see this going on right here? <laughs> I wish I could see y'all's faces. <laughs> Over here are some cartoons. Oh, wait a minute. You know what we need for you to be able to see that? A television. But, but it's in the airwaves. If I had a television set here with an antenna, I could pick up all that stuff. Same with music. Radio. There's music all over this place. I just need a radio to tune into it, don't I? There's a supernatural realm that's going on right now that you can't see, but spiritually it's going on. And let me give you a good example of this. Let's go to the Old Testament. Elijah is standing there with his servant in front of the Syrian army. Hundreds of soldiers in front of him. <laughs> and Elijah, this is the Syrian army at Dothan. And Elijah says, don't be afraid. They may be more. There may be, they, they that be with us are more than they that be there. And, and the servant, I would have loved to have seen his face. He went, Elijah, there's two of us. But Elijah knew there was a heavenly realm. And he said, he prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And the Bible says, suddenly the servant's eyes were opened and he could see that the mountain was filled with horses and chariots of fire. The Lord's angelic army was there. Where? In the heavenlies. One moment he couldn't see it, the next moment he could. And my friend, if God were to open our eyes right now to the heavenlies, we would see amazing things going on. Maybe he'll let us see it one day. So, the area is a supernatural. The blessings are spiritual. The Lord fights for us. There's no telling what he has prevented from happening to us in the spiritual war that's going on. But you need to remember this, that you are blessed spiritually with every spiritual need that you have to have a relationship with God and to be saved which the last thing I want to share with you is the assurance of these spiritual blessings. It says these blessings come through Jesus Christ. In Christ, it says. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. Where are your securities? Isn't it amazing if you've ever invested, people say, well, I've invested in securities. <laughs> Have you noticed how secure Congress is? <laughs> you know, T-bills, stocks, bonds, there's nothing secure. It's not anything secure. But this verse says that our spiritual blessings, our spiritual blessings are in Christ. Church didn't give it to you. The church doesn't give it to you. 
I wish my Catholic friends would listen to this. The church does not give you blessings. It's in Christ. There are a lot of people who are not secure in their salvation. There are people who who dwell today wondering, am I going to make it or not? I've given my life to Christ, but I'm not sure I've still got it. It's like they're going to try to sneak up to the gates of heaven and jump in and go, I made it, thank God. But you don't put your security in heaven. My security's not in heaven. It's in Christ. In fact, Paul uses that phrase, in Christ, 140 times in all his writings. In Christ. That's why we're going to keep pointing people to Jesus. When they come here, we're not trying to impress them. We're not trying to be this wonderful place. We, we're just a bunch of broken, sinful people who are in Christ. And that's the only hope we can offer anyone else is to find, to find Jesus. That means the blessings, the spiritual blessings, only come through him. There was a lady who was a missionary for a long time in China. Her name was Bertha Smith. She lived to almost be 100 before she died. Everybody called her Miss Bertha. I saw a video with her teaching one time, and she was talking about being in Christ. And she quoted John 14, 20, where Jesus said, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Well, she had a simple way of teaching, and she used a lot of object lessons. And in this day, she had a big box with a top on it. And on the side of the box was a sign that said, God the Father. She opened up the box and pulled out a smaller box, and on the side of that box it said, Jesus Christ. And then she opened up that box, and inside that box was the word, me. You and me. She was illustrating that, and then still she opened up another box, and she took that box out of the word, out of the box, said me, and it said, Jesus Christ. And and she said, you know, the only way you'll ever get me out of Christ is to get Christ out of God, which is utterly impossible. I was already blessed. And then when she said, you know, I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me, you can't be any more secure than that. Your salvation did not come because you earned it did not come because somebody dunked you in the baptistry. did not come because you joined the church. It did not come because you walked the aisle. It did not come because you prayed a prayer. It came because you committed your life with all you knew how to Jesus Christ. And you said, I am in you, Jesus. If you're not the way, I'm not going because I'm going in you. And that's why it's, the scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. 
You cannot be blessed more spiritually than you've already been blessed. You got all of it. You got a good case of it. You got all of it. No more second blessings. I don't know what part of all the folks that tell you, well, you know, well, I, I am going to tell you. I, I just love to meet people who say, I used to be a Baptist. Because <laughs> I know what they're fixing to say. What they mean is, you just didn't quite get all of it. Well, it's not because we're a Baptist church that we're going to heaven. We're a Baptist church because we have certain doctrinal beliefs and because we do missions together. But we're in Jesus. We're in Christ. I always want to say to them, well, did you used to be in Christ? Because I'm in Christ, and if you're in Christ, we got the same stuff. I don't need any more. Now, do I need to grow? Absolutely I need. I'm not saying you've completely arrived. What I'm telling you is, you know, you, you can't be partially born, can't be born, can you? You're either fully born or you're not. You can't be just partially alive. You're either alive or not. Well, when you're saved, you are completely saved. Or you're not. You're a saint or you ain't. No middle ground. Next Wednesday night, we're going to talk about election. Not political. <laughs> Not 2020. We're talking about predestination, election. We're going to look at a lot of different stuff next week. So you need to drink a big cup of coffee before we come in here so you're going to listen. Because I'm going to tell you, wear some boots. It's going to be deep. It'll be deep. I want you to learn. I want you to know. And one thing you're going to find out is that even when you think you know everything, you don't. But we will talk about it. Because some people really get hot under the collar about this stuff. And we're going to talk about it next week. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for blessing us. We're completely, completely forgiven, completely saved, completely blessed spiritually. It's hard for us to fathom that, Lord, because we're still so sinful and, and struggling and this realm is real. This world is real. And we, we struggle in it. But thank you that in the spiritual realm, we are made complete in you. And that one day, you'll take us home. And that's when you'll give us a body that will be complete also. We pray for those that don't know Jesus. There are people who think they do, but they don't. We pray that they would come to that point where they realize, I am in Jesus Christ. That's all that matters. Lord, I pray that you would show them clearly. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these folks. Thank you for the word of God. And most of all, thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this installment of the Southcrest Wednesday Night Series featuring Senior Pastor David Wilson. Remember, you can also live stream our Sunday and Wednesday services. Go to southcrestlive.tv for more details or to southcrest.org to learn more about Southcrest Baptist Church. And thanks for listening.